Thank you, loving Father, for making us to see this day. Thank you, Lord, for making us to be among the living. Thank you, Father, for provision and protection and guidance. Thank you, Father, for the gift of your spirit and your word, which you use to sanctify us. Now, Lord, we want you to bless us even more with your spirit and with your word. As we go through our reading for today, Lord, grant us of your spirit. Impress on us and our hearts the truths you want us to learn today. Put your words in our mouth, O Lord, to be a blessing to those who would be listening to us. Take all the glory as you do this and help us, Lord, to conform to the things that we'll be learning. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Our High Calling, December 12th. Will you open the door? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Will we let him in? He would not have us stand at this time amid the perils of the last days in our own finite strength. It is our privilege to walk in the sunshine of his presence and to weave into the characters we are forming the golden threads of cheerfulness, gratitude, forbearance and love. We may thus show the power of divine grace and reflect light from heaven amid all the frets and irritations that come to us day by day. Then why do we go stumbling along without light? Every warning, reproof and entreaty in the word of God or through his delegated messengers is a knock at the door of the heart. It is the voice of Jesus asking for entrance. With every knock unheeded, your determination to open becomes weaker and weaker. If the voice of Jesus is not heeded at once, it becomes confused in the mind with a multitude of other voices. The world's care and business engross the attention and conviction dies away. The heart becomes less impressible and lapses into a perilous unconsciousness of the shortness of time and of the great eternity beyond. Many have so much rubbish piled up at the door of the heart that they cannot admit Jesus. Some have difficulties between themselves and their brethren to remove. Others have evil tempers, pride, covetousness. With others, love of the world bars the entrance. All this must be taken away before they can open the door and welcome the Savior in. How precious is the promise. I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Oh, the love, the wondrous love of God. After all our lukewarmness and sins, he says, Return unto me and I will return unto thee and will heal all thy backslidings. Our work is to open the door of the heart and let Jesus come in. He is knocking for entrance. Will you open the door? Jesus is standing at the door of your heart. Let him in, the heavenly guest.
Amen. The title of our devotion is Will You Open the Door? And it is directed to us Laodiceans. So I'll say hello to you, my fellow Laodiceans. We are seeing once again the love of Jesus towards us. We started by understanding the meaning of Laodicea. Laodicea is just a name used to represent the people who are living in the time of the end. Laodicea represents God's people, the last of God's people just before his second coming. It is the seventh church that Jesus addresses when you look at the message to the seven churches in the book of Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Like I said before, when we studied the, the topic, Am I a Laodician? We saw there that in this case, Jesus himself was the one speaking to John, and John was only doing the writing. There were many other parts of Revelation where it was the angels who were speaking to John. But in this case, it is a direct message. Yeah, even the other ones are still direct messages, but this one, Jesus spoke it himself. It's a very important thing then. If you wanted Jesus to tell you anything today, if you say, oh, I want to hear from Jesus, I want Jesus to talk to me, there you have it. Revelation chapter 3, from verse 14 down to the end, verse 20. That is Jesus speaking to you today. If Jesus was here right now and I asked him to say something to me, this is what he will tell me. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, but thou art lukewarm. I would that thou were cold or hot. So then, because thou art neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And because thou seest I am rich and increased in goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And then he will say to me, In love, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eye with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and will sup with him and he with me. That is what Jesus will say to me today. And he will conclude by saying that if I overcome, he will grant to me to sit on his throne, even as he also overcame and is sitting down on his father's throne. Amen. That is the message of Jesus to you and to me and to everyone in the Christian community today. We are lukewarm is what he says. And he has diagnosed our condition and seen that is a terrible one. And yet we are honest about it. We feel that we are fine. But he is telling us, no, you are sick. From the top of the head to the sole of the foot, there is no soundness in it. Isaiah chapter 1. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. Now he is preferring a solution which we started to look at since yesterday. What is God's sol- solution? What is Jesus' solution to our problem? First of all, I want to repeat again. Our problem is this one. Lukewarmness. What is lukewarmness? Lukewarmness is a state in which we are half-hearted Christians. We are neither here nor there. We are not hot, that is, 
we are not fully on the Lord's side. We are not following biblical, practical godliness. And two, we are not cold also. We are not like the infidels who deny God completely. We want to have the best of both worlds. We want the world to love us and we want Christ to love us. We do not want anybody to hate us. So, we take a bit from here and a bit from there. But the only thing that looks like righteousness in us is just that we have activity. We go to church and perform activities there. We are answering names like deacons, elders, pastors, church officers like ushers. We are answering names like women ministry leader, um, men ministry leader and all those things. Those are just names. And the activities we perform are just activities because what Jesus is saying is we are lukewarm in that when we look at the practices in our life, we actually are just like the world. But we cover ourselves with these religious religious activities to make us look like we are Christians. And why do we say so? Because when you look at the practice, like I said, like I said, and like I've been saying since, there's actually no difference. And that's why the world looks at Laodicea and say, I don't need to change. I'll remain cold because when I check my practice with that of the so-called church where Laodicea is, there's no difference. We love the same music, attend the same gatherings, and not just attending it, love the pleasures that are there. We also have the same ambition. We dress the same way. We eat the same things. There's really no difference. And you go to be more specific, like we have been doing since, you check, check, check the, the, the dress of Laodicea is the same as the dress of the world. You check their, their likes and dislikes, there's actually no difference. They even clasp hands with them. And that's the lukewarmness that is our problem. Secondly, another problem is self-confidence. They say, I am rich and increased in goods and have need of nothing. There's self-righteousness and self-confidence. They have created, we, Laodiceans, have created another standard of righteousness for ourselves that is different from the standard that is contained in the Word of God. We say we are the jet age Christians, that the principles that applied, some even say it boldly with their mouth, that the principles that applied many years ago, they will not follow it, that we are living in a different age now. Therefore, you cannot subject me to what Paul did and to what the people a hundred years ago, just a hundred years ago, by the way, we don't subject ourselves to what they did. Then how about 2,000 years ago? Of course, that's just baloney. There's no need to follow that. We are living in a different time. Laodicea feels comfortable. That is their self-righteousness and self-confidence. They've created another standard different from what the word of God says. But Jesus says, here is the solution. And he first of all gives his verdict. In this state that we are, he looks at us. Like I read yesterday in the book of Isaiah 1. He says, from the top of our head to the sole of our foot, there's no soundness in it. But the worst part of Laodicea's case is that they are not even pitying themselves in such a sickness as that, where Jesus says there's no there's bruise and putrefying sores all over our body. Laodicea is not even feeling the pain. They're not even ashamed of it. They walk boldly in these bruises and in these wounds and in these sores from the top of the head to the sole of the feet, they walk boldly in it and claim that those wounds are actually righteousness. But Jesus says, no, these your wounds are seen in your life. The only thing is that you have now started to make it look as if it is no longer a sin. And that's why he says we are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. First thing Laodicea is to do is to accept God's verdict about us. 
Say, yes, I am wretched, I am miserable, I am poor, I am blind, I am naked. Even if you cannot see, because we are blind, we can't see it. So that means we have to walk by faith. Believe what Jesus says. Believe it when he says that you are blind. And that's the reason you can't see that you are poor. And that's the reason you can't see that you are naked and wretched and miserable. So you have to walk by faith. Believe Jesus. Don't be offended with him. And by the way, what do we read today? How does Jesus come to tell us that we are poor, wretched, miserable, blind, and naked? How does he do that? He does it through his messengers. I read here, every warning, reproof, and entreaty, first of all, in the word of God, or through his delegated messengers is a knock at the door of the heart. It is the voice of Jesus asking for entrance. So when someone comes to tell you about your condition, and is telling you that this thing you are doing is wrong, this ambition you are following, you are going against the word of God while following it. That pleasure that you are engaging in, be it sports, music, all the music, be it movies, be it games, be it parties, any of these things, when someone comes to tell you, like you have been hearing from us, telling you that these things are not in keeping with Christian principles and with the life of Christ. That is verily Jesus knocking at the door of your heart and seeking entrance. That is Jesus telling you that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And then in that knock, what is he saying to us? Buy of me gold tried in the fire, white raiment that thou mayest be rich. I salve, anoint your eyes with it so that you can see. We have already seen what these things are. Gold represents faith and love. Remember, that is the thing you should have. Faith, believing what Jesus says. And not just what he says, every, as in not just what he says about our condition, but every other part of the word of God. Believe it. You need, we need that. That's what Laodicea's problem is. They read the Bible, but they don't have faith in it. Faith means to receive the word of God and believe that it is the word of God and act on it. That's what faith is. Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That is what it is. Hear the word of God and do it. Believing that that word that was spoken is going to be effective in your life. Simple. That's what faith is. But Laodicea does not have that. And that's why Jesus says, buy of me gold. Buying means now, like what we are seeing today, removing the rubbish that is in the heart. You have to make an exchange. That's what it means to buy. But the problem is if we have these things in the door of our hearts, we cannot allow Jesus in. And what are the things that are hindering the entrance of Jesus? I read it here. Many have so much rubbish piled up at the door of the heart that they cannot admit Jesus. Some have difficulties between themselves and their brethren to remove. And as long as we are still quarreling with our brethren, whether it is our blood relatives or church members or neighbors in our environment where we live, as long as we are having quarrels with people, you cannot allow Jesus in. You cannot receive Jesus. What more? Others have evil tempers. What does evil temper mean? It could be, in this case, Evil tempers could mean anger, hatred, bitterness in the heart. And then we also have pride, covetousness, the foundation of every other sin. Covetousness, desiring what does not belong to you, emulation, wanting to bring others down and to be supreme over everyone. Covetousness. With others, it is love of the world that bars the entrance of Jesus. What is the world? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That is the world. 
those things that release dopamine in the brain that makes you feel pleasure whether it is food whether it is music partying sexual intercourse out of the way that god has ordained it in marriage and all other of these things that give pleasure that's what the world is love of the world bars the entrance now if we must allow jesus in all this must be taken away before we can open the door and welcome the savior in now this thing is a very very sensitive issue because we are told that when this knock let me be more specific when you are hearing sermons or this podcast you've been listening to telling you what the word of god says about your practices and telling you what god requires of you that is jesus knocking and when you hear that it is the voice of jesus asking for entrance now with every knock unheeded what happens to you and me when we don't listen to what we are told our determination to open becomes weaker and weaker if the voice of jesus is not heeded at once and where do you hear the voice of jesus from his word and from his delegated messengers who are also speaking his word because it's not everyone who says is a messenger that's a messenger if someone comes to you and is not speaking the word of god it's not god's delegated messenger only those who have a thought says the lord for everything that they say to you are his delegated messengers now if the voice of these people or the voice of the bible as you are reading it is not heeded what happens to you it becomes confused in the mind with a multitude of other voices the world's care and business engross the attention and conviction dies away. Do you know what it is for conviction to die away? You may know what the truth is, but if you are not convicted, that is something in you that wants to push you to do what is right. It is the Holy Spirit that gives that conviction. That is why repentance is not something that we can cook up for ourselves. It is a gift from God. That's what the Bible teaches us. Repentance is a gift. You cannot repent when you want. So when you are hearing these things and tell, that are telling you to make changes in your life, that are telling you to make an exchange for the former practices that you have or the present practices that you have rather that are not in keeping with the word of God and replace it with what? The practices of the word of God. And what are they? Here we read it. Cheerfulness, gratitude, forbearance and love and every other thing the word of God tells us to do. When you are not making this exchange, what is happening? You are getting weaker and weaker and as you get weaker and weaker, conviction dies away and what happens? You later look at it as if maybe I was deceived then. It was not God that was speaking to me. You felt you were convicted to change perhaps your practices with respect to your pleasures or your practices with respect to your ambition or with your dress or with your diet and or with the day of the day you keep whether it is the Sabbath or not or how you keep the Sabbath. You felt you should make those changes but because maybe you you didn't make the change at once something may happen to you not that it happens immediately but with time if you don't heed what is going to happen is that conviction will die away and where there is no conviction you will not feel like practicing what you are told it even comes to a condition or a place where you start to call truth error and error truth you now go to apostasy we've studied it in devotion you can go and listen to that that's titled where apostasy begins i think that should be december one or two where apostasy begins it is when somebody starts to cherish in his heart and question the word of god and feel and and desire something that the word of god has condemned because of that desire the person will now start going back to the word of god and feeling like did god really say this did he really say we shouldn't do this and then you start to twist the word of god to suit what you like 
conviction dies away and we go into apostasy. Jesus is speaking to us today. Drop all the rubbish that we are calling gold, that we are calling riches and making us feel like we have need of nothing whereas we are actually wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. Drop those things and allow him in and let us receive cheerfulness from him. Forbearance, love, kindness, compassion for one another and sympathy, patience, self-control, the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit, all of it, that is what Jesus has to give to us and it will be shown in a change of character, godly sorrow that leads to repentance. That is what Jesus wants for us because he loves us. How can you see your child in such a terrible, dirty condition and not have pity? For your child you know as i read these things i see wow god really loves us isaiah chapter one when i read isaiah chapter one i see the love of god he understands and he sees us and examines us and says see look at them they are wounded we are like people who left our father and went to do something that he told us not to do and we came back to the house with injuries on our body looking so dirty what does he want to do he wants to wash us clean that's why he said in isaiah 1 verse 18 come now let us reason together Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be as wool. When he diagnoses us, he's diagnosing in love, but he intends to help us, to lift us up to his level. Jesus is not coveting his, his character and saying, I will be the only one who will be holy. He wants to extend this holiness to us. He wants us to be like him. He's not keeping it only to himself. Will you let him in? Will you receive him and throw away all the rubbish that is blocking him from coming in? It is left with us to make our choice. I pray that God will speak to our hearts and the Holy Spirit will touch us to make that change now. Don't wait too long. Remember, if you wait too long, you get weaker and weaker and conviction will die away. And that thing which the Holy Spirit convinced you of as you were listening, when you didn't make the change, the Holy Spirit's voice will go down and you start hearing many other voices that will confuse you and you will go back or remain in what you were doing and get confused and say, I'm not sure it is what I'm doing is wrong. I pray the Holy Spirit will touch us and that we will make that change as soon as we hear. May that be our experience. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. The last paragraph of this reading says, Our work is to open the door of the heart and let Jesus come in. He is knocking for entrance. Will you open the door? Jesus is standing at the door of your heart. Let him in, the heavenly guest. When we understand or believe or accept our condition, it will be very easy for us to open the door. I once read a story of a preacher who had preached so well and there was a mother with his son in the congregation and they enjoyed the sermon so the mom said to the son son let's go and meet the preacher and have a handshake with him as they walked towards the preacher there was a long line and she patiently waited with the son and they traced the line till it got to the point of the mother and the son the mom told the son, stretch out your hand and shake the preacher. The boy refused and was very reluctant. And the mother was had this strange feeling and was wondering, what, 
Why are you holding back? We have already discussed this that you just stretch forth your hand and just shake the preacher. That's all. And they struggled and struggled. The mother was embarrassed. The preacher was holding out his smile and extending the cheerfulness as required for someone who is expecting a guest. And their effort was futile for a long time until they realized that when the mother and the son turned around that the boy had a pebble in his hand. And that pebble was so precious to the boy. But what was the boy thinking about? The boy told the mom that he was afraid the preacher was going to take away that pebble from him, which he felt was precious. The pebble was to him an idol. So he heard the preacher preach so convincingly, so powerfully that he felt whenever I go to this man now, he will also take away my pebble. If we look at this story in light of the case of Laodicea and what we've been hearing for three, four days now, you would almost understand that that's the way we look at ourselves and our sins and our the things we take identity from. As Jesus is knocking at the door of our heart, we feel he's going to take away something precious, our identity in the society, our pride, our the things which we people praise us for and the things people applaud us for the, the glitter the glittering of fame and praise we feel that if we lose this thing ah people say i'm like this when i'm in this kind of clothes ah they say i'm like this when i'm saying these kind of things the praise that we receive may we may feel being a christian with the bars from this thing but jesus is still knocking at the door that we may buy of him. Paul said that, O wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death, of sin? He said in Romans 7 that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Some of us may feel very uncomfortable when you hear all these words sounding in your ears. This is wrong, this is wrong. But all these things are nothing. Anything that is not in the character of Christ is miserable any quality or any character we have even though it is highly exalted or praised among men that is not in line with the principles of jesus of his word it's something that is wretched and we need to exchange it open the door of our heart throw those things that are the door away throw them away and accept jesus in our heart so that he may come now within us and sup with us i have a reading here that talks about what will be our portion when we accept Jesus in. Because I know for some people they are worried about how am I going to maintain this kind of lifestyle where Jesus is in, in me? How am I going to sustain it? I'll read. I'm reading the signs of the times, April 17, 1893. So as Jesus is coming into our heart with the knock of the Holy Spirit convincing us. Here is what he wants to give to us as he comes in. I'm quoting now. It says, It is the Holy Spirit that brings to the darkened minds the bright beams of the Son of Righteousness. It is the Holy Spirit that makes men's hearts burn within them with an awakened intelligence of the truths of eternity. It is the Holy Spirit that presents before the mind the moral standard of righteousness and convinces of sin. 
It is the Holy Spirit that produces godly sorrow which worketh repentance that needed not to be repented of, that inspires faith in Him who alone can save from all sin. It is the Holy Spirit that works to transform character by withdrawing the affections of men from those things which are temporal and perishable and fixing them upon the immortal inheritance, the eternal substance which is imperishable. What does the Holy Spirit do? I'll continue. The Holy Spirit recreates, refines and sanctifies the human agents that they may become members of the royal family, children of the heavenly king. So this is what God wants to do as he's coming in. He will improve our ability to understand to appreciate godly things your your taste may be in one direction or the other but as jesus is knocking in and wants to sit with you he is ready to transform us but we must answer quickly there's a bible text here in in psalms 18 it says thou has delivered me from the strivings of the people verse 43 and thou has made me the head of the hidden a people whom i have not known shall serve me Verse 44 says, As soon as they hear of me, they shall obey. The strangers shall submit themselves unto me. This is a prophecy on Jesus himself. And he's saying there are people who are willing to open the door of their heart and they do so quickly. So as Jesus is knocking on the door of our heart today, like that little boy I started with, we should not hold back our pebble. Jesus has precious stones the gold of his character the gold of faith and love he wants to put in us his purity his own love you know we've been saying it is selfishness that is making laodicea do things for their own self-glory but jesus is going to remove that one now and put within your heart a purer motivation to do things for the love of god and the love of humanity and he's knocking and he wants us to open quickly in the quote where I was reading before, it says that the Holy Spirit implanted in the disciples enabled them to stand firmly against idolatry and to exalt the Lord alone. So as Jesus is coming in, he's going to help you to wage the war against idolatry, holding on to our own selfish characters, our own dirty ways of life is going to help you you know the bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood that the spirit of the lord shall raise up a standard that's the spirit of god in your heart god is ready to raise up a standard that you can you will not begin to hate the things that you used to love that were not godly before you'll be wondering how come it's happening that now i love to study the bible i love to do this i love to talk to people about god i love to meditate on god it is the holy spirit working in your heart it is god who works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure but my friend i'm asking again will you not open the door will i not open the door so that god will throw away those rubbish or establish his kingdom in our heart it is time for us to open that door the holy spirit who was promised to be with those who are wrestling for victory will be demonstrating the power of might by endowing the human agent with supernatural strength and instructing the ignorant in the mysteries of the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit is to be our helper. He's to be our strength. And if he is in us, he will be constantly working 
to regenerate our minds, our thoughts, our affections. This is in part the help we are going to receive if we accept Jesus. You will find yourself soaring higher and overcoming the things you felt were your dominant characters. God is knocking and I pray that as, this, as he knocks today, as we hear his voice today, we will not harden our hearts. He will come in with us and sup with us and give us his blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, as, I, as I listen to the reading and I go through the reading myself, you see, um, I was impressed with the precious love of Jesus. How interested Jesus is in us in giving us these informations and here impresses my mind say how precious is the promise I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me and then there is this exclamation here oh the love the wondrous love of God after all our lukewarmness and sins he says, Return unto me, and I will return unto thee, and we heal all thy backslidings. What a promise. It holds a place in my heart. It made me the realization of the love in this promise got me um, very sober and yet joyful and hopeful. Sober because I know my lukewarmness, sober because I know my sins, sober because I know my backslidings, but joyful and hopeful because he will he wants to heal it. He wants to heal me from the wounds of my sin. He wants to heal me from the wounds of lukewarmness. He wants to heal me from the wounds of backsliding. Because here, here we, we've been told that Laodiceans do not know their weaknesses, do not know their um, backsliding. While they are backsliding, they are thinking that we are alright. So, the question now is, how do I know my sins? We've been told that even when Jesus said, sends his messengers to the Laodiceans, what happens? The Laodiceans slide the messengers, thinking that we do not need the message. It is not we that this message is meant for. It is for them. We have this habit of always thinking that, oh, this message is for the next person, not for me. So, what does it hold for me? How do I know my true condition? There, there is a list of things here. Of the rubbishes that we are piled, says some have difficulties between themselves and their brethren to remove. Others have evil tempers and pride, covetousness with od- with others, love of the world, bars the entrance. For some of these things is easily detected in our lives. For some, it is difficult to detect. Look at the rich young ruler when he came to Jesus. He said. All of the law I have kept but Jesus was able to detect one thing which he which was not apparent to him so how do we 
get this pause in our lives because while Jesus is willing to forgive, it is important for us to know what to do as Laodiceans. In the book Galatians, there is a promise. Uh, before we look at Galatians, we we'll look at Psalms 169. Here, the psalmist prays, Search me, O Lord, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I think this is the work we should be doing at the moment. It is not for us to be thinking, oh, I'm not a Laodicean, oh, I do not have pride, oh, I do not have love of the world, I do not have selfishness, I do not have evil tempers, because it's easy for us, every single person, to want to excuse himself. Yes, Jesus says in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5, let every man examine his own heart. But in this work of examination, even the psalmist found that without the Spirit of Christ, he cannot really understand his own ways. Jeremiah in Jeremiah 10.23 said, O Lord, I know that it is not in a man that walketh to direct his steps. Therefore, Lord, do what? Correct me not in thy anger, but in thy judgment. Because um, I'm just concerned here because I see the Laodicean spirit prevailing all around us where every man think himself to be okay think himself to be righteous it's difficult for anybody to agree that there's something wrong with me and until this realization is made of our own weaknesses it is difficult for us to buy of him pure gold or feel our need of the ISAF that he can give so the problem is not that Jesus is not willing to heal our weaknesses, heal our backslidings, heal our sins. But the problem is that we do not recognize our need. And we cannot recognize this, of, this our need on our own selves. And we need to go to the source. Because this is a work that we need to do. That is why in the early reading, we are told that he would not have us stand at this time amid the perils of the last days in our own finite strength we stand in our own finite strength when we look to what we can do what we've been doing thinking it is righteousness while it is not righteousness since see paul was writing of this in philippians chapter 3 and he said in verse in verse um nine he said and be found in him not having my own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faith of christ the righteousness which is of god by faith that i may know him and the power of his resurrection the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death so many of us do things that are wise in our own eyes right in our own eyes not understanding that if the word of god has declared it it's just that it feels good it seems right and then we are found and standing in our own righteousness and what we can do so i pray that the the, the call is let us 
examine ourselves to know if we are really loud oceans to know if really these things are in us that bears the way these rubbishes by the way of Christ's entrance and how do we do that we learn to go to Christ himself who will search us who will help us in the examination of our own selves and I pray that the promise found even in Philippians verse 15 which is also so precious it says let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded and if anything if in anything ye be otherwise minded God shall reveal even this unto you if you're a Lord Ocean there is this precious promise that God will help you understand that you are if you are in the right there is this promise that Jesus will help you understand you are in the right if you are in the wrong he will help you understand it is not in us to understand this even though we need to examine ourselves even though we need to prove our own works but we cannot trust in our own wisdom in dealing with these issues because it is trusting our own wisdom that makes us spawn the message of God's appointed messengers and I pray that God will help us in this cause for everyone who will realize his weakness and need to go to Christ in order to really understand his own condition. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you, dear Father, this morning for the privilege to hear from you. Even as you have asked us this question and you keep on asking us, we pray, Father, that whatever thing may be a distraction, whatever thing may be causing us not to see the message which you are sending to us. May it be far away from us, dear Father. Even as you have sent us this message, we pray that with all gladness, with all joy, with all excitement, we will open the door and let you in. Thank you for the privilege of speaking to us day by day, moment by moment. We pray that we will not let away this moment where we keep on hearing your voice. Thank you for the wonderful words of life this morning. We pray you be with us as we go through our life's activities and as today is the Sabbath. We pray indeed we may receive the blessings of the Sabbath as we keep it holy. Thank you for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.